you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Identity crisis. How do we identify an identity crisis? If if you want to go to the notes, you can go to lifeway.church forward slash 06-28-20. That's the date. And you can see the notes and follow along on your, on your mobile phone or if you've got an iPad there or whatever. Um, you know, from what I see in the world today, uh, we're going through an identity crisis. I don't think it takes a rocket science a scientist to see that or a sociologist or anything else. Um, Our nation is going through an identity crisis right now. Our church, the church, is going through an identity crisis right now. Which means if our nation and our church are going through an identity crisis, it means the people in the nation, the people in the church are going through an identity crisis. I'm going to give you the definition of an identity crisis. Well, first, before I give you the definition, I want to set your mind at ease. If there's any children in here that are making any noise, it doesn't bother us, right? We were all children at one time, and I love children. And, in fact, when we first started ministering, we ministered to children. And we had, like, 60 children at one time, ages from 5 to 12. So to keep their uh, attention, you have to be really quick. And so you're not going to bother us by your child. And so we understand what season we're in right now and they need to be in here if you need to slip out we have the nursery available if you need to change the the pampers or whatever Um, identity crisis identity crisis is a period of uncertainty and confusion notice those words uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure typically due to a change and their expected aims or role in society. Now, I, I got that definition right off the Internet. And so this identity crisis is upon us. People don't know who they are, and they're willing to be somebody that they really shouldn't be, right? Have you noticed that? I mean, people are, are willing to do, put on a T-shirt and pick up a sign and not even understand what they're doing or who they are, or where they're going. This young generation is just looking to be a part of something. And could be because maybe their parents didn't spend enough time teaching them who they were. A child gets their identity from their parents, right? And so when a baby's born, and a baby's learning to talk, well, even before a baby talks, the parents are talking to the baby. Oh, how sweet you are. James, oh, James, you're such a good boy. James, and, and you're, you're telling them to say their name. And when they learn to say mama and dada, you get them to say their name first, right? Say James, who are you? James, or whoever, right? And so it's, it's a God thing for parents to impart identity to children, that's how, that's how we learn. And, and, and our identity um, 
is naturally given to us by our, our family. And the family that we're born into and the culture that's around us shape our identity. Our identity is what we think and what we believe about ourselves. And it's given to us naturally when we're born. And as we grow, it's confirmed and, and reconfirmed who we are and as we grow. So there's a funny story right here at this point. When I'm growing up, I'm named after my father who is named after his father. And so my full legal name is Warren Bruce Rhodes the third. And so I'm a little kid, you know, I don't know what age I was, but I, I definitely remember this occasion where I was learning my name and everybody wanted me to say my name in front of my family, Warren Bruce Rhodes the third. But as a kid, I said Warren Bruce Rhodes the third. <laughs> and they thought that was funny. And I didn't know why they were laughing. Warren, who, say your name, Warren Bruce Rose deterred. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't the right joke at the right time, but <laughs> kids learn who they are from their environment and from the name that's given to them. And thank God I've changed identities <laughs> since, since that. But how about men? When men meet each other, the first thing we say to, hey, Chris, how are you doing? What do you do? What do you, we identify each other by what we do. How, how real is that? You're not what you do. You are not what you do. God gives you your identity. Self-identity centers, centers around what we think and what we believe about ourselves. So we have to go back to man's beginnings or the origin of man. Let's look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Genesis 2, 7. Genesis 2 and verse 7. It's at the very beginning of your Bible. And it says, the Lord, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So God created the dust, but then he created man from the dust. And he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So without the breath of God in man, he wasn't a living person. But because God formed the man from the dust and breathed his breath of life into the man, he became a living person. That's significant. Because without the breath that we breathe that came from God, we wouldn't be alive. Which means that there's a spirit inside man. Because the breath of God is spirit. And as he breathes his breath into us, which life comes from him, he is life, we become alive. And so we have to define who we are and our identity based on our Christian worldview. I think this is where a lot of people get uh, confused. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Everybody say that with me. I'm in the world, but not of the world. 
And so today, the world wants to press us into its mold. More and more and more. The world is trying to press the body of Christ into its mold and, and make us conform to the world's worldview, which is secularism, humanism, which is centered on self. I don't need God. I am God. Autonomy. We don't need God because we are God. No, that's all wrong. The Christian worldview, which we believe, God created us. We didn't create him. Right? There's a big distinction here, and and, and it really affects your identity. Who are you? Well, according to my Christian worldview, God created me. God made me. Look at Psalm 100, verse 3. Psalm 100, verse 3 says this, know that the Lord, he is God, not we is God. We are not God. God is God. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That's important to remember. In our Christian worldview, it seems very simplistic, but it's very profound and very deep. That Christian worldview is a filter that you look at everything through. We can't afford to look at the world through the world's worldview. Now, we can respect people, and we can respect where they're coming from, but we don't have to agree with them. True? You can be respectful, but disagree at the same time, and that's what the world's having a really hard hard time with. If you, if you respect me, you're going to agree with me. no. I have a Christian worldview because I believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Even the maps, I believe. And so because God made me, and I'm not God, here's the big one. Because God made me, he knows everything about me. So if I want to find out something about myself, I go to the person who made me. My wife knows a lot about me. We've been together for 35 years, married for 33 years. We dated for two years before we got married. I'll be 57 in November. My wife knows more about me than anybody else on this earth. But if I want to figure out why I'm wigging out, I don't go to my wife. I go to God. Right? She can confirm it after the Lord's spoken it to me. But God knows everything about me. Why would I go to anybody else to find out about me when God knows everything about me? And don't you think that the God who made you wants you to know about you? He wants you to know everything about yourself. He wants you to self-identify through his filter, through his word. And so in this identity crisis, we have, to, we, we have to find the foundation of what we believe, why we believe what we believe, and we have to come back to the Word of God. Now, there's two sides, just like this coin. This coin has two sides. And so there's a side of this identity that the world, the world sees. The world sees me. 
and it looks on the outside. The world looks on the outside and says, okay, you're 56, you're uh, average height, average build, male, Caucasian male. Well, that's what you see on the outside. But there's another side to the coin, the inside. And when you look at yourself through God's perspective and God's filter and God's word, you see that the inside is actually more important than the outside. There's so many scriptures, and we, it's going to take four weeks to go through it all. I'm just kind of giving you an a, a introduction today. But God looks on the inside when the world can only look on the outside. The world doesn't have the ability to see on the inside. That's why people are judging other people by what they see. They don't have the ability to see the heart. Come on now. God is the one that knows us from the inside. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. Powerful scripture. This happened when Samuel came to choose, uh, Samuel the prophet came to choose the king. And the Lord told him to go to Jesse's house and he would show him which one to anoint as king. And so Jesse calls all of his sons in. All of his sons in. And Samuel looks at all of the sons and says, no, you're missing one son. One son. There's, there's another son here. He was the youngest and his name was David. Bring in David. And so this is where that scripture comes from right here in, in 1 Samuel King David, God saw King David's heart. God was not interested in how high or old or what he looked like. He was interested in the heart. And so 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 says, man looks on the outward appearance. We agree, right? But the Lord looks on the heart. So it's not the clothes you wear, it's not the house you live in, it's not the car you drive, it's not the place you work or how much you have in the bank. It's not the color of your skin, it's not your language, it's not your culture that really identifies who you are. It's the heart, it's the spirit of man that identifies who you are. And God sees that and God knows that. And he wants you to get acquainted with what he sees and what he knows about you. You know, we look at all these external things and we try to figure out who we are and we try to figure out who other people are. But it's the inward man of the heart. It's, it's the other side of the coin that we need to pay more attention to than just the external. So much money is spent on, on making us look good. But really, it, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. So it's our heart that really counts. So how can you tell if you are in the middle of an identity crisis? If you don't know you, how can you tell if you don't know you? First, the first indication is that you're confused. Confusion. Confusion. That's the first indication. John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Jesus was giving us, us some insight about the enemy. And think about what happened to Jesus. 
he was baptized by John in the River Jordan. And when he was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The voice from heaven spoke and said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God the Father was identifying his son. And so here's the son being moved by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for, for 40 days. So at the end of those 40 days, the devil came to him. And what did the devil say? If you are the son of God, attacking Jesus' identity. The devil will attack your identity. If you really are a child of God, then do this. Or if you are a child of God, if you really are saved, why are you thinking this way? Why did you just do that if you really are? See, the enemy uses this confusion because he, he plays these mind games. It's the battlefield of the mind. He's ever challenging our belief system and our thoughts and our mind. He's the original identity thief. Yes. And you know, there's a bunch of money and a bunch of time spent on protecting our identity. You know, I don't know about you, but I get alerts all the time. You know, did you charge this and re uh, respond by yes or no or on, on the charge cards and the, the, the bank cards that I have? And everyone is on high alert so that our identity, our identity doesn't get stolen. But the enemy is trying to steal our identity every day of the year. He hijacks who you are and deceives you into thinking you've been canceled. We're living in, a, in, in a, a time of canceling. I cancel you. Cancel you. You didn't say what I wanted you to say. I'm canceling you. The devil's trying to cancel you. And he says things like, you were a mistake. If your father really loved you, you would know who your father is and he would be a part of your life. And all of these lies and all of these attacks in your mind to try to confuse you it, no one cares about you. You don't matter to anyone. It's, it's an attack to try to confuse you, to steal your identity. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 30, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. It says that, that God is not the author of confusion. Think about that. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If God is the author of peace, who is the author of confusion? It's got to be Satan. The one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. He doesn't want you to know your identity in Christ. And if he can keep you from it, he can keep you bound and ultimately destroy you. Because there's, it's, it's been proven. I mean, psychologists have proven that people who, who have problems identifying who they are, a lot of the time end up committing suicide. And so the enemy is the one who begins the confusion, who authors the confusion, who 
perpetuates the confusion. Number two, here's, here's another indicator you can tell if you're in an identity crisis. Doubt. Doubt. Doubt is another tool that the enemy uses. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 6. James 1, 6. Doubt. Do you doubt? Sure we do. We all doubt. But it is a tool that the enemy uses to try to steal our identity. James 1, 6 says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So this is the essence of doubt, to try to get you tossed and driven by the waves. A lot of times in the word of God, water represents the world. And the sea represents the world. And so if we're driven and tossed by every wind of doctrine and every wave, then there's no stability. And we just flow, we just go with the flow and go with the world and, and there's such doubt. People are doubting everything. Doubting themselves. Doubting everyone. Doubting the leaders and doubting God. And everyone, they're just in a place of doubt. And when you don't know something or you're unsure of something, you're an open target for the enemy to, be, to, to deceive you, to feed you a lie and get you to buy the lie. This leads to identity crisis. You remember when Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden? The number one thing that he, he went with, his, his, his weapon of choice was, did God say, did God really say that you can't eat of this tree? Did God, did, and he'll come to us, did God really call you an overcomer? Are you sure? And insert that doubt, get us to believe and question, and then steal our identity. And so write this down. Doubt is natural, and faith is supernatural. So we have to replace the doubt with faith. How do we replace the doubt with faith? We go to the word of God. We identify ourselves with what God said we are, not what the enemy says we are or what the world says we are. True? Doubt is natural, but faith is supernatural. If we stay in this zone of I'm not sure, and we just call it, well, I'm just, I'm just being neutral. I'll just go with the flow. then we're going to fall into that doubt and end up being stolen from, killed, and destroyed. We all deal with doubt, but we have to learn how to overcome doubt by being intentional, intentionally going to the Word. The third way that we can tell if we're in some form of an identity crisis is if we're willing to follow everyone or anyone, anyone or everyone, just use those words are interchangeable. Anyone or everyone. Are you willing to follow anyone? Are you willing to follow everyone? Do we have to be alike? No. 
God didn't create us alike. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Turn there, Ephesians chapter 2, 2. Many people will say, you know, I just go with the flow. I'm just easy going. I don't like to make any waves. I just do what comes natural. I just take it easy. I just, I'll just go along with what everyone else does. That's called peer pressure. Following the crowd may lead you to a place that you were never designed to go. We're called to be different. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 says, In which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work, working in the sons of disobedience. So this verse is very powerful because at one time, all of us used to walk following the course of this world. And following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of disobedience that's working in the children of disobedience now in the world. We used to follow that, and it's natural to follow that, but now it's time to follow only one person, and that one person is Jesus. We're to follow him. Even Paul, when Paul was called to lead people to Christ, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, not follow me exclusively. Paul was not seeking for people to follow him. He was seeking for people to follow Christ. We're to point people to Christ, not ourself. This, and this is why, I'll just, I'll just say this, guys. I know it's, it's kind of out there on the edge but uh, celebrity Christianity is not going to work. It's not following a person. You've got to follow Jesus. Because I'm just telling you, some people are going to get off here. They're going to get off. But if you follow Jesus, you'll know what's true and what's not true. Jesus doesn't want us to follow a person. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, follow me as long as I follow Christ. Because if I quit following Christ, quit following me. You need, to, <laughs> you need to know who you're following and why you're following that, 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 that person. As they follow Christ. People are, are I'm, I just know in my heart, people are being deceived. But if we follow Jesus, we're not going to follow everyone else. That's the point. When you follow Jesus, you're not going to follow everybody that says, hey, I've got a good thought. Let's, let's do this. Let's go this way. When you don't know who you are, you're willing to follow anyone, even when that person appears to know more than you know. You think, well, that sounds good. Or they have a doctorate degree. Or they have two million followers on Instagram. So I guess they must be right. Listen, there are a lot of people <laughs> that are not right. But there's one person that's always right. And his name is Jesus. So here's Romans 12.1. One of my favorite scriptures. 
Romans 12, 1. I'm going to read it because it, it, it really teaches us not to follow the world, but to follow God. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you can do one or two things. You can't do them both. You have to either renew your mind to the Word of God or you will default to conforming to the world and its patterns. Because the world, like I said before, the world is trying to press us into its mold. Think like me, act like me, do like me. And in the body of Christ, as we are identified in Christ, we're called to do the exact opposite of what the world is doing. We have to know God's word in order to conform to his word. So we're not, our, in order to be transformed by his word so that we're not conformed to the world. Either we're trans, being transformed by his word or we're conforming to the world. So here is the last point before we go. We have to look in the right mirror. We have to look in the right mirror. Here's a mirror. Looking in the mirror shows me what I look like on the outside. But here's another mirror. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Looking in the mirror. If you've got a cell phone, you've got a mirror, a biblical mirror, a scriptural mirror. And we have to continually look in the word of God to see who we are so that we're not conforming to the world and who the world is. Here's James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. James 1, 23 and 24, the Passion Translation says... If you listen to the word and you don't live out the message that you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. If you don't continue to look at yourself in the mirror of God's word, you're likely to go out and forget your divine origin. You may have been born by two human beings or the two human beings that gave you birth on this earth in your natural body, but God gave you your spirit. And the spirit of us... Our spirits are more real than our bodies. Our bodies will pass away, but our spirits live eternally. And so the real you is the inward you. 
This is the only mirror that's going to reflect Jesus to the real you. We've got to spend more time in here than we do in here. We have to know who we are on the inside more than we know who we are on the outside. Who do you identify with? Is it a group or is it Jesus? Where is our true identity? When we fail to look into the mirror of God's word, we see how human we are and we see all of our inadequacies and we begin to search for significance. Is my life worth anything? Do I really matter? All of us, all of us do that. But when we're in this identity crisis and we pull out the word of God and we say, hey, here's my true identity. God calls me an overcomer. He calls me more than a conqueror. He calls me a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. He calls me his son. He knows me by name. He knows the very hairs on my head. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He has a plan and a purpose for me, and it's a plan, of, a good plan to prosper me and to use me and to bless me and make me a blessing. God says all this about me. Why do I need anything that the world says? Why do I identify with anything that the world is identifying with? When we look in the word deliberately and intentionally, it shows us who we truly are. It shows us who we truly are. And we move out of that crisis of identity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe there's somebody right now who needs to identify with Jesus. No purpose, no meaning in life. Ready to give up and ready to quit. Maybe even ready to, to take their own life because of no purpose. But Father, I pray for that one right now that's making a decision to move toward Jesus, to begin to follow Jesus, to take that next step to follow Jesus. If that's you right now, whether you're in the building or whether you're watching online, I want to help you to make the decision. I can't make it for you. And listen, this decision is between you and God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come forward or anything like that. This is a sacred, holy moment. It's a decision that you will, you alone can make. So right there where you are, it's a decision of the heart. And if you choose to make this decision, it will be the best decision you've ever made to identify with Christ because Christ came to identify with us and shed his blood and gave his life so that we could identify with him. And that's the gospel in one sentence. Jesus came, he died to identify with you as human so that you can become eternally connected with the Father. So right now, if you want to connect with Jesus, Say this with me, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I choose today to identify with Jesus. I, Jesus, I take your salvation as a free gift. I repent of my sin and I confess you as my Lord. 
I will follow you all the days of my life. Give me the grace and the strength. Fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I, I would like to hear from you. If you could please just let us know. If you go to lifeway.church forward slash I don't know they're going to put it on the screen there. Salvation, that's it. Lifeway.church forward slash salvation. Let us know that you prayed that prayer. Let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Listen, the next step in your life with Christ is to find out more about who he says you are. Not who the world says you are. Not who your family says you are. It's hard to get real encouragement from your family. Your family's like, uh, you're like one of us. Who do you think you are? But God knows the masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. He, when you were created, he broke the mold because he only needs one of you. You're special. You're loved. He loves you. Let me pray for you and then we're going to go. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us with an everlasting, unconditional love. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times we climb up on the table and fall off by mistake. You're there to help us and heal us, to love us. Thank you for showing us who we are in Christ. Thank you for believing in us when we don't hardly believe in ourselves. Lord, thank you for seeing us through an identity crisis. I pray for each person that's here and each person that's watching that this week you'll draw them closer and closer and closer to you through your word and by your spirit so that we all know more and more and more who we are in you, who Jesus is in us so that the world can see that Jesus was sent from the Father and so that we can walk in unity. Father, I thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, let's all stand. I just want to remind you that there are some people that um, aren't, aren't ready to high-five and shake and that's okay. I mean, if you come and you need to wear a mask and you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. Um, there, people are at different levels and I just want to encourage you to respect that. And um, as, as, as we get ready to go, I just want us to pray for uh, an end to this thing because it just, everyone, there's so many things you hear and Personally, I just I believe there's a little bit of truth in all of it. I don't want to say anybody's wrong, right? I think there's just a lot that we still don't even know about the situation. There's people that I know personally that have been affected by this. And so my heart goes out to the people that are right now that are struggling for their lives. So I want to pray. Father, thank you 
that you keep us safe this week. I plead the blood of Jesus. I declare the blood of Jesus to be over us, spirit, soul, and body. That as we go out into the marketplace and as we interface with people, that we're aware, that uh, we're respectful of where they are in their faith. And Lord, we don't assume or put our faith on anyone else, but that we're respectful and that we um, do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Lord, help us to engage our community in Christ, to show them who he is by the way we live, and by the way we speak, and by the way we act. Use us, Father, for your glory this week. We thank you for giving us the extra grace that we need during this time. I thank you for your angels going before us, watching over our vehicles, giving us safety. Thank you that you are the only one that can provide our needs according to your riches in glory. We worship you and we honor you today as the body of Christ. We need one another more today than ever before. Thank you for a mighty move through your body in this earth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.